Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's up, everyone? Welcome back for a brand new edition of Collider Ladies Night with... I'm going to say a bucket list guest, Michelle Rodriguez for Dungeons and Dragons. Hello and welcome to the show. Hi, how you doing? I am doing very well. I'm happy to have you here. So every Collider Ladies Night starts with this first question. What was the the movie, the performance, personal experience you had, you name it, that first made you say to yourself, I have to be an actor and nothing else? Ooh, wow. Um... It happened the opposite for me. I have to be a writer and nothing else. And then I became an actor and nothing else happened with the writing. It was really weird. Um, yeah, I, I, I decided I wanted to, to, to be in the movie industry because I just, I'm fascinated by movies. I used to go to my, my, my friend's house all the time and watch her VCR tapes. And even most of the VCR tapes that she had there were like B-movies. Um, but I just was in love with the idea of telling stories uh, uh, on the screen. And I fell in love with it so much so that I, you know, I tried, you know, doing the school thing and it didn't really work out for me. So I just took my GED and, uh, and, and, I, and, and my brother told me about Backstage, the newspaper. And I started looking at Backstage. Then I started doing background work. So I did background work for about two years. And then my brother was like, you better start pitching in and get a life. <laughs> Or I'm going to kick you out of the house because you're an adult now. I think I was like 18 or something like that. And um, and I was like, okay. Um, and I tried I tried doing the get a life thing. And I, and I did the school thing for a little bit. Um, and then I ended up like $5,000 in debt. <clears throat> and I still had this bug that I, you know, needed to be in this industry, whether it was as a writer or a or something. And eventually I went, uh, I ended up at a, at a girl fight, uh, you know, uh, open cattle call. It was like 250 girls. The next thing you know, it was all history from there. You know, I trained for her for about a month because I had no experience. I was like, I never graduated high school, but I could beat up all, most of the girls in this room. <laughs> That was my attitude, um, and, and I was, and give me an opportunity, and I'll try. 
She gave me acting lessons and decided to take a chance on me. It was Karin Kusama. And it was her first movie at NYU. Uh, it was her thesis. And it took her six years to make Girl Fight because they wanted the boy to win at the end and she held her ground and said, I won't take your money unless you let me make this movie the way that I wrote it. And she had wrote it uh, because Lucia, I, th I believe it was Lucia Riker who had a Golden Gloves fight against a boy and she won. And all the men producers were like, the girl could never win. Well, what do I want to make a movie about a girl winning against a guy? What, are we, what is this? It took her six years to make it. Can you believe it? And she decided to trust me, a little knucklehead from Jersey City with no education. I was like, all right, I'll take it on, you know? It was a challenge. I took about a month's worth of acting classes so I wouldn't bite my lower lip during uh, scenes because I used to get nervous. And that, that was it. From there, uh, everything kind of flowed. Next thing you know, I haven't stopped working since. Speaking of Karin standing her ground on that particular element of the film, one of my favorite things about your body of work and when I read about how you carry yourself on sets and, and all sorts of productions is how you always advocate for yourself and for your characters. So I've got two questions about that. First, having had the courage to do that yourself, especially when it can be scary when you're first starting out in this industry, what advice would you give to an up-and-coming actor out there who wants to make sure that their voice is heard on a set, but also that it's being heard in a way that's actually going to spark change? <laughs> you know, I'm probably not the best person to talk to because I pissed off a lot of people on the way up. And I got to say... My, I draw a line in the sand. My line in the sand is very clear. You know, there's a line for self-respect. There's a line of this is what I wouldn't do in front of millions of people around the world on purpose. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, if, if you try to cross that line with me, you know, perhaps trying to get me to play a slut in front of millions of people around the world won't happen. Uh, try to get me to be the loser girlfriend who has a cheating boyfriend and cries over him in entire films. Not going to happen. Uh, you know, uh, be the girl who's a stripper or a drug dealer because Latinos are thrown into that box all the time. I'm like, not going to happen. A uh, girl who uses her Cleopatra power or her sex to get everywhere that she's going to go. Not going to happen. So as long as you don't break any of those rules with me, I'm easy to work with. I'm very down to earth and, and super collaborative. Um, but the minute that anybody tries to force any of those things on me, I'm like, I don't mind going back to Jersey City to my old life because those are the lines that I would never cross. But most people want it so bad they're willing to sacrifice certain things along the way. And I'll tell you, you know, just from my little experience of 20-some-odd of, of years in this business, the minute you cross one line, the rest are going to fall like dominoes. So you got to hold your fort. And, and be willing to die in the name of that line. You know what I mean? You got to literally be willing to give it all up. If you're not willing to give it all up in the name of your lines, your ethics, your morals, whatever it is, then, you know, then you're going you're, you're gonna to sacrifice some things that might uh, bite you in the ass later. <laughs> so I pissed off a lot of people on the way. I got to say, I've, I've been blacklisted from a lot of things. I've gone without work for very long periods of time in between things because... You know, people mistake my, my, um, uh, my, my courage, I guess. I guess they would call it courage, but it's just me being me for, for uh, I don't know, an attitude or something. And it's not that. I just know what I want, and I know what I'm not willing to do to get it. 
it's a very important line to draw. Having having always advocated for yourself since the very beginning, it does make me curious. How have the things that you fought for changed over the years, both in terms of your personal priorities, in terms of the types of projects you want to be working on, but then also in terms of how the industry itself has changed? Dude, I'm so stoked. I mean, before it was like, my only means of, of acquiring freedom was doing action movies, you know? And I always felt like, why do I have to act like a man to gain any freedom in this business, like, and not be the girlfriend? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, it was like really, really hard. Um, and, and now it was like, it, you know, I was alone pretty much because I was like the tomboy girl who did all the action movies. And like, and, and now you see a lot more feminine women, you know, who, who really wouldn't, necessarily think of punching someone in the face in a kick-ass action film. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I feel really happy uh, about where we are today. Uh, I got to say in the beginning, you know, uh, 20, uh, 2001, 2002, 2003, it was rough out here for women who wanted to be free, independent, and, and uh, speak their mind. And I feel that that has changed so much in the last 20 years, and I'm super proud of where the industry has, has come. You know, a big part of that too, what you just said reminded me of a quote that I had read from you when you were promoting um, Widows. It was this idea that that experience inspired you. I think that the, the terms you used was to take a sledgehammer to the, the tough girl persona. So <laughs> how did that goal arising at that time wind up influencing how you tackle a character like like Holga in Finishing Letty's Story? You know, it's 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 intriguing because, you know, I mean, there are obviously, you know, different types of humans on the planet. We come from both men and women. And, you know, I think to survive, you know, from the ghetto, from being in a very aggressive Jersey City growing up, I acquired very masculine qualities just so I wouldn't end up pregnant before 17, you know? Smell the armpits, act like a dude. He won't be attracted to you and you won't get pregnant. <laughs> it's like a, like a male deterrent mechanism, you know? It worked like a charm, to be fair. I'm here, you know? <laughs> um, but, you know, I think it's more traumatic for me specifically to take on that masculine quality. I don't think it was natural. I think had I been in an environment that were less aggressive, I may have had a soft power shine through that is a, light, a lot more sophisticated and I think personally beautiful than, a, than, than the masculine qualities that I inherited to survive. And I projected those qualities, you know, in my Hollywood career uh, by, by channeling my anger, you know, and, and using my force to, to, to become independent and to be free. Um, but it's because I'm in a man's world, you know what I mean? And if all the dudes are there and they're very aggressive and they assert their energy and assert their space, then I have to do the same to make my own space so that I don't get squashed, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so I think now at 44 a long time after the beginning of my career, I've learned that, that uh, you know, I can use a little bit of my wit to, to, to replace the sword and the fierceness. Obviously, Holga's not that at all. <laughs> but you can see that there is, there is a softness in her. There's an intelligence in her that's maternal and, and sweet and kind. And I think that that kind of femininity 20 years ago, I wouldn't have had. Well, that Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That makes me think of, of Widows again, because you do have that really nice balance in that particular film. Aww. Another thing that I was reading from that that always uh, catches my ear is when someone works with an acting coach, because I feel like that's not something we talk about very often. And I know that was the first time you worked with a coach since Girl Fight. Yeah. So what is something about Greta's approach to, you know, teaching and coaching an actor that you found worked really well for how you like to process, you know, notes and feedback and, and tips that you could use? Here's the thing, you know, it's crazy, but I've always been super, super natural. Like, uh, you know, for me, I, I try to find the truth in a moment and be as sincere as I possibly can within that. And what Greta brings to the table is the art form of that. True thespians, you know, people like Chris, for instance, like you look at him, he's a true thespian. Like the boy loves words <laughs> and he loves playing them in every single which way possible and looking at all the options in all the land. <laughs> and I love it, I appreciate it, but it's never really been what I do. <laughs> I've, I've always just, just, you put me in a situation and I ex exaggerate whatever I am to suit that situation. And what Greta taught me uh, were, were, were some of the wonderful tools of becoming a tool yourself. Uh, and, and I just, you know, I gotta say, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. But I've always felt more like an activist than an actor. You know what I mean? I just take something on um, and, 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 and I'm natural as, as possible within the structure. Like, put it this way, like it'd be really rare for you to see me in a drama. But if something right comes along and I really feel passionate about it, Greta will get that phone call and it'll be like, honey, do you think I got what it takes to, to, to do this? And if so, can you guide the way? Because, you know, it's, it's an art form and I respect it, but I don't really, f I feel more like an imposter than anything <laughs> because, no, seriously, because, you know, I know what it, what it is, what it takes to be like a serious actor. I just never decided to take a role that, when you work with somebody like McQueen, you know, he's, he's, he's one of those guys who really wants truth. That kind of honesty that you only get from suffering and to go there and be vulnerable like that I need Greta's help because, you know, I'm used to the, you know, I have a lot of armor, honey. <laughs> you know what I mean? I get it. I mean, a day never goes by where my mind isn't blown by the the depths that an actor must go to to access certain types of challenging heads spaces. It, it really does. It's something else. You brought up uh, Chris already and how he's got a, a slightly different approach to the work. So now that's making me wonder, is there any 
particular example you can give us from Dungeons and Dragons in terms of a time where, you know, Chris did something as a scene partner for you that helped you access something in Holga and that dynamic that you wouldn't have been able to reach had it not been for his unique process? I mean, this guy, he's a monster. You got to see him on set. I can't really, I can't explain it. You know, it's the way that he plays with words and, uh, and, and the way that, uh, that it just flows out of him so naturally. So he will take a monologue and and it will become a part of him. And then after that monologue is a part of him, he will divulge it in various different ways. So that the director has, uh, you know, various different options to cut it all together. And I think that's awesome. It's just really great to watch him work, you know? It's just inspiring just to be around him because he's so good at what he does. I can definitely see that based on everything I've seen of his. And he looks like he is just having like an absolute blast in this movie. And it's such an actor. I think he came out of the womb acting. I'm convinced. He came out of the womb, uh, you know, with a monologue. I I would believe that. Um, another thing that I had read you had said in the past was that you credit a lot of your success for certain directors, uh, Karin Kusama, James Cameron, Robert, Robert Rodriguez, all seeing something special in you. And it was making me wonder, they're all very different filmmakers, but do you find that they have a shared quality that signals to you that they're directors that will be the, collab- the type of collaborator that you want to have? They're rebels. Each and every one of them is a rebel in their own way. If you look at Jim Cameron, he's always getting snubbed by the Oscars, but he's a monster. He's an engineer. He's, he's the kind of guy that sees things that nobody else does. You look at his body of work, his movies, he is able to speak a language of communication to millions of people around the world in a language that they understand, but he'll take that commercial you know, program and flip it on its head to use it for good. You know, the messages that he's trying to give, you know, are messages that are, that are, that are common uh, goodness to humanity. They're ethical, you know, questions about how we live life. And he poses philosophical, you know, questions that no, nobody, really, nobody else is really doing <laughs> what he does. So I find him to be an incredible rebel. Robert Rodriguez, come on, he's got his own studio in Austin, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break. The guy basically said, okay, I, I guess this is what I have to do to do my own thing because you guys don't get it. <laughs> so he built his own studio. <laughs> like, come on. Uh, you know, and McQueen, I mean, the guy, McQueen, he, he definitely has another set of eyes. Um, and he, he definitely loves to play with the edges of truth. And he knows that the only place to find those edges of truth are in these dark corners where, where, where suffering can, can create growth. And you see that in his body of work. And that I find to be rebellious and courageous in so many ways. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the girl who comes to Hollywood through the front door. I'm a side door bitch, you know what I mean? I'm like, I got in through the kitchen. You know, and it's because I got a homie there, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of been my life. Look at, look at, look at Vin. Vin's my best friend. Me and Vin, we did to Hollywood what hip hop did to the music industry. I mean, and we came with a truth that we were like, how could these other people not see this truth? And we fought for it movie after movie after movie after movie. And now people get it. They're like, oh, they were fighting for something that was important. Obviously, because they're connecting to people from around the world who get it. 
And so it's like that. It's like, you know what I mean? And I get on with people like that because there's a big heart there. If you look at all of them, they all have a big heart. You can see a big heart in Robert. You can see a big heart in Jim. You can see a big heart in McQueen. You can see, you know what I mean? It's like there's, there's a, it's like rebellious, big-hearted, you know, people. <laughs> how does, how does the heart and the rebellious nature apply to John and Jonathan now on Dungeons and Dragons? What do they do that kind of signals to you that they've got those qualities as well? Well, I think that they are, they are able to, to see what lightheartedness. And uh, and 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 heartfelt um, geekiness. Wait, hold on. I gotta I gotta think about this one. Because there's something there's something about that script that said to me, that said to me, I care. I'm not just taking a brand that's been free advertising for forty years, and and making a blockbuster out of it. That is second to story. That is second to writing the best adventure we could possibly create and see how the world receives it as an intention. You know, and when people think like that, they're already rebels to me. Because for the most part, I think people reverse engineer things, thinking about the end goal, you know, of like doing a ten pole and like, look at this, it's 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 popular around the world because it, it came out in Stranger Things and look at how it's tracking. Look at how the board game sold during COVID. Ba ba ba. People look at the numbers and they think in numbers. And it's like, no, these are humans in a room using their imagination with these with these dragons and 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 druids and all of this amazing world full of creatures that have been created over the course of almost 50 years like we need to give this respect and i think that with with john and jonathan they they come from that they come from the experience of playing the game of being excited and seeing the enthusiasm in a room as everybody's laughing giggling or or falling on the floor with laughter and surprise because the adventure didn't go the way that they planned it to go. Because they, they, they understand the process. And understanding the process is what I saw in the script. And a love and respect for the entire legacy of Dungeons and Dragons. That makes them rebels because that means that they see the heart of something, the core of what keeps something alive, the core that gives energy and life to something. And that is rare. You don't, you don't see that every day. You know what I mean? And so like, you know, I'm like, all right, you know what? I'll take a chance with you guys. Cause it can be a crapshoot. You know, you can, you can throw the dice on the floor and you can care a lot and think that you, you, you were attracted to the right idea and not get it. But being a person who played it as a kid and understanding, you know, the passion that goes behind finding your tribe and all of the amazing, you know, they call them geeks or nerds, but these are, these are just kids who found their flow. They found a place where they are accepted. They found their tribe. And like, you can't, you can't throw those people under the bus when you make a movie like this, because, you know, a lot of them put a lot of their life, more percentage of their life than a producer or a director in Hollywood. And what I like about John and Jonathan is that they care. They know that. Not many people do. You know what I mean? And when you know that and you're a good oh, yeah. storyteller, I mean, come on, man. That's a good pot. 
<laughs> you feel it while you're watching this movie. I'll look ahead for my last question here because I have to ask one about Fast 10 because I'm very excited about that. Mm. The cast in those movies have been absolutely stellar since day one. And that makes me even more eager to ask you this question. What does someone like Jason Momoa bring to the Fast franchise that even all of those exceptional previous ensembles didn't have? What new touch is he going to add now? Uh, I would say revenge with a smirk. Revenge with a smirk. It sounds light, but when you see that, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I'd say he's the best male villain we've had in the entire franchise. Of course, because Charlize kills it. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's a whole other different type of monster, no pun intended. <laughs> um, and I, I got to say, you know, um, I think people are going to be really, really surprised. And we're going to get a lot, of, um, a lot of open mouths at the end of Fast 10. Let's just put it that way. I believe it's it. It's going to be like... I believe it. Really? What? <laughs> like that. Like, that's how I was in the theater. I was like, oh, my God. What have we done? <laughs> Bring it on. I'm ready for it. I have to leave you, but I will say congratulations on everything you accomplished. Congratulations on Dungeons and & Dragons, and I can't wait to see what lies ahead for you in the future. Thank you for being on Collider Ladies Night. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.